Second Chronicles. We're going to be spending some time in the Old Testament, though we'll make some New Testament references as we go along. But I want to begin here in Second Chronicles chapter 12 and in verse 14. Here is a statement about Rehoboam. And the text says he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. I want us to look at this phrase that he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. What is interesting about that is the text doesn't just say that Rehoboam did not seek the Lord. That's understandable that he did not seek the Lord. It didn't just say he didn't obey the Lord. It doesn't just say he rebelled against the Lord, but he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Now, what I'm learning from that is this. I'm learning from that phrase that Rehoboam did evil because he didn't prepare his heart. That's what the text just said. Let's look at some translations of that. The English Standard, New American Standard, New International says he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. Perhaps that enhances our understanding of that. He set not his heart, the American Standard said. He did not want to obey the Lord, the new century. The NLT said he did not seek the Lord with all his heart. I like the NET. NET is a little more wooden than some of the others, much like American Standard and Young's, etc. That he was not determined to follow the Lord. He was not determined to follow the Lord. This is focusing on his attitude. This is focusing on his thoughts, not just his action. More about that in a moment. Darby said he applied not his heart to seek Jehovah. So when the text says that Rehoboam did not set his heart or did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord, it is simply saying that he did not prepare the thoughts of his mind so that he would seek the Lord. Or, as this translation said, he was not determined in his mind to follow the Lord. Well, let's talk for a moment about when the heart is prepared. What if the heart was prepared? The text says he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. What if I have prepared my heart to seek the Lord? What happens? Well, there are two things we want to mention. Let's go back to our text in verse, verse 14. If you've already left it, it's found right at the top of the screen. And that is what I'm learning from that is we don't do evil. If my heart is prepared to seek the Lord, then I am going to seek the Lord, and I'm not going to do evil. Because here was a man who did evil because he didn't do that. If I'm doing that, then I'm not going to be doing evil. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 26, if you will, and in verse 5. Same book, 2 Chronicles 26, and in verse 5. This is the reign of Uzziah. And he was a good king in the south. He reigned for 52 years. But the text says, beginning at verse 5, that he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding and visions of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So as long as he was seeking after the Lord, as long as his heart was prepared to seek the Lord, here was a man who was made to prosper. So if I prepare my heart to seek the Lord, I'm not going to be doing evil and I'm going to prosper before the Lord. So let's consider in light of that, let's talk about preparing the heart to seek the Lord. Is your heart prepared to seek the Lord? I didn't ask you, are you seeking the Lord? But is your heart prepared to seek the Lord? If you're not seeking the Lord, it may not just be you're not seeking, it may be your heart's not prepared to seek the Lord. So I want to notice three things in our study tonight. Let's start with this. Let's talk about how that is a prelude to seeking. And let's go back to our text in 2 Chronicles 12 and in verse 14. 
He did evil because he did not prepare his heart. Why did he do evil? Because he didn't prepare his heart. He did not prepare his heart to, the text says, seek the Lord. What I'm trying to suggest to you is this preparation of the heart is a prelude to seeking the Lord. No one will ever seek the Lord until, first of all, they've got their heart prepared to seek the Lord. It serves as a prelude. Now let's consider the fact that the attitude and the, the thoughts of the mind, that attitude produces action. That's all we want to try to establish at this juncture is that attitude produces action. That when there is action in our life, it's coming because of our thoughts. It comes because of our attitude. We understand this in Matthew 15 and in verse 19. Jesus talks about how that from the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adultery, etc. What's his point? That everyone who commits adultery, everyone who commits murder, everyone who commits blasphemy, all of these actions comes forth from the heart or from the mind. So the attitude is producing the action. So what's in the heart, what's in the mind, what is in the attitude is the prelude to action, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. Here's some passages in the book of Proverbs with which we are familiar. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That is, as you think, that's the kind of person you really are. You think evil, you have evil actions. You think proper, you have proper actions. You think about lovely things, you produce lovely actions. And so our heart is the prelude to the action. Again, in Proverbs 4 and verse 23, out of the heart are the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. Why do I need to keep my thoughts and my mind pure? Because out of my mind proceeds the issues of life. Everything comes forth from the heart and from the mind, the text says. And so the attitude produces the action. And so this prepared heart produces the seeking. So if I need to seek the Lord and serve the Lord, which is what that means, that I'm to seek and to serve the Lord, that means I need to have an attitude wherein I am prepared to seek the Lord. If one doesn't seek the Lord, the heart's not ready for that. So show me somebody that's not seeking the Lord. They're not following the Lord. And now let's ask the question, what's the problem there? The problem is their mind isn't prepared for that. So all we're trying to see at this juncture is, is that that is the prelude to seeking. Now here's the second thing we want to notice. Let's go back to our context and talk about the failure of Rehoboam. The text says in 2 Chronicles chapter 12 and in verse 14 that he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Now let's talk about Rehoboam for a little bit. We're not going to read all of these chapters because we have a number of chapters listed here. I'm just trying to suggest to you that his story, the story of Rehoboam, is recorded both in Kings and in Chronicles. This text, our text, in 2 Chronicles 12 and 14 is not found in Kings. There are some things found in one that's not in the other, much like we have in the Gospels. But that statement about he did not prepare his heart is not found in Kings. It's only found in Chronicles. But all I want to suggest to you here is that 2 Chronicles 10, 11, and 12, those three chapters is the story of Rehoboam. We're going to spend a little time there. The king's account, so when we go over to kings, you may think we're going somewhere else, but we're still in the same story because the account is found in 1 Kings chapters 12, 13, and 14. So three chapters in Chronicles, three chapters in Kings uh, is the record of the story of Rehoboam. Now, Rehoboam became king upon the death of his father Solomon. And that's recorded in 2 Chronicles 9 at the end of chapter 9 going into ch the beginning of chapter 10. In the king's account, it's at the end of 1 Kings chapter 11 going into chapter 12. So right in that transition of chapters, 
the statement is made about the death of Solomon and Rehoboam becoming king. And so that's where the story fits. And that's where the story comes to play. But let's talk about his failure now and start chapter 10. Remember, he did not have a heart that was prepared to seek the Lord. Wherein did he fail? That may give us an idea of the attitude that's not ready to seek the Lord. So let's go to 1 Kings chapter 10. You remember that when Rehoboam became king, 2 Chronicles chapter 10 now is where we are. 2 Chronicles chapter 10, I want us to see beginning at verse 6 that he rejected wise counsel. He rejected wise counsel. All through the New Testament, God encourages us to seek after wisdom and seek wise counsel. In the multitude of counselors, the Solomon himself would say, is wisdom. Wisdom is found in the multitude of counselors. And yet here is a case where he rejected wise counsel. What was the case? Upon coming to the throne, chapter 10, and I'm not going to have time to read all of this, but to paraphrase what goes on, in verses 1 to 5, the text says here was a question about there was some who were saying that Solomon had put too heavy a burden upon them, and now maybe Rehoboam, as he comes to the throne, can do something about that. Much like if you thought the previous administration had levied heavy taxes, maybe the current administration can, can release us of those taxes and help us with that taxation, particularly if we think it's overburdened. Now beginning at verse 6, that King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived, saying, how do you advise me to answer the people? What do you suggest? So he went to the older and to the wiser and asked them, what do you suggest? best I do about this problem and the, the complaint of the people. Well, beginning now at verse 7, they spoke to him and said, if you are kind to these people and you please them, speak good words to them, and they will be your servants forever. What we suggest to you is listen to their, to their complaint, reduce the burden upon them, and they'll be servants and you'll have a kingdom that follows you. That's what we suggest. That's what wisdom, that's what age suggests to us. So at verse 8, but he rejected the counsel of the elders had given him. And then he went and consulted the young men. We'll come back to that in just a moment. What I want to suggest to you is that one of the things that was part of the problem of his mind was he rejected wise counsel. He is not prepared to seek the Lord when he's rejecting wise counsel. But that's not all that he did. Secondly, he listened to the wrong crowd. He listened to the wrong crowd. I want you to notice now, beginning at chapter 10, verse 8b, where we just left off, that he went and consulted the young men who'd grown up with him and stood before him. These are men who do not have experience. These are men who have not been in the position of counsel. These are men who do not have wisdom. They do not have the, the time where invested into kind of wise counsel where they can have experience to tell him something about what they should do. So beginning there at verse 8 or verse 9, he asked, what do you advise me? And uh, when the people have spoken to me saying, lighten the yoke of the fathers put upon us. And the young man, men said, look at verse 10, thus you should speak <clears throat> to the people who have spoken that your father made our yoke heavy, but you make us, uh, but you make it lighter, that my little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. Verse 11, I will chastise you with scourges. In other words, you rebuke the people and tell them I'm going to make it worse on you than my father did. And that's exactly what he did. And therein there was a rebellion in the kingdom and the kingdom ended up splitting. And you know the story well. What I want you to see is the, the failure of Rehoboam. Where did he fail? He rejected wise counsel and he listened to the wrong crowd. 
Find me someone who rejects wise counsel and they listen to the wrong crowd and their heart is not prepared to seek the Lord. Here's something else that he did. Let's go to chapter 11. He dug his heels in. What do I mean by that? When you dig your heels in, that just simply suggests that you're determined you're going to do what you want to do regardless. It's an attitude of rebellion. He wanted to fight against Jeroboam. Now the kingdom is, 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 is pulling apart and splitting. He wants to have a fight. He wants to go and have war. And I notice in verses 1 through 4 that a prophet, Shemaiah, the man of God, came speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, saying to him, Thus says the Lord, verse 4, You shall not go up to fight with your brethren. Let every man return to his own house, and therefore they obeyed the word of the Lord. Well, he listened at that juncture. But I know he's a man who does evil because chapter 12, 14 tells me that. But at this juncture, he, he listens to that advice from, from the prophet. But I want you to notice at verses 6 through 12 that he fortifies his city and uh, fortifies all of these cities to trying to make a stronghold against those who are rebelling against him, even though he was told not to fight against them. What I'm trying to suggest to you is that he dug his heels in. I'm determined. I'm going in the direction I want to go regardless of what advice or what wisdom may be given. Show me someone who digs their heels in contrary to all advice, contrary to all instruction, contrary to the revelation of God, and I'll show you somebody whose heart is not prepared to seek the Lord. Here's something else he did. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. He forsook the law. Rather than going and consulting the law and being obedient to the law, one, it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself that he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel along with him. Turned his back on the law of the Lord. Look at verse, look at verse 5. Shemaiah the prophet came to Rehoboam and the leaders of, of Judah who had gathered together in Jerusalem because of Shishak and said to them, Thus says the Lord, you have forsaken me, therefore I have left you in the hand of Shishak. In other words, I'm going to let the, the, uh, uh, the forces take their, their toll upon you because you have forsaken the Lord. You've turned your back on the law of the Lord. Show me someone who rejects and turns their back and turns a deaf ear to the law of the Lord, and I'll show you somebody who has failed like Rehoboam to prepare his heart to seek the Lord. But here's something else Rehoboam did. We're still talking about the failure of Rehoboam. He had inferior substitutes. He had inferior substitutes. Look in chapter 12. Now remember his story is found in chapters 10 through 12 here. And we're near the end of the chapters or near the end of the section. But we come now when Shashak, the king of Egypt, comes up against Jerusalem. And he carries away, verse 9, the gold shields which Solomon had made. I'm not going to take the time to trace where he made those. But if you want to turn over to 1 Kings chapter 10, 16, and 17, you see how enormous a price had been paid for these shields. And so we're talking about a lot of money. We're talking about a lot of weight. So he had these golden shields the text talks about. Now with those golden shields, I want you to notice what he did. In their place, verse 10, King Rehoboam made bronze shields and committed them to the hands of the captain of the guard. What does that mean? <clears throat> what that means is he replaced them with something inferior. And so here he's taking something that's very precious, something that's, that is supposed to be a part of the house of God, something that's supposed to be a part of the possessions of God, and when they're taken away and he allows them to be stolen because of his failure, then he brings around a substitute that is quite inferior to that. We often do that. 
We, we may reject the counsel of God and find inferior counsel. We may have a plan of God that we reject and we find a, an inferior plan. And on the, down the line we go. We begin to substitute with inferior things. We may have a design for the plan of the family that God has given and we reject that and we establish a family relationship that is quite inferior to that of the Lord. Maybe it's a plan for raising our children, and we substitute that with something inferior to that. When we take the plan of God and we reject that or allow it to be taken away through our carelessness, and we have inferior substitutes, and we're satisfied with that, our heart is not prepared to seek the Lord. But here's something else I want you to notice about him. Now we're going to 1 Kings. Let's go to one more reference about him before we move to another point. I said this is also recorded in 1 Kings. And so in 1 Kings chapter 14, we have, again, part of the story of Rehoboam. And I want you to see in 1 Kings 14, 22 to 24, that he tolerated, here's something that is not mentioned over in, in Chronicles, but that he tolerated sin. And so what do we see about him? That Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord. We're talking about Rehoboam's uh, period. Uh, that Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins which they committed more than all their fathers had done. Well, what did they do? They built high places, verse 23, and they uh, sacred pillars and wooden images. In other words, they set up their idolatry that is tolerated. Notice verse 24. This is interesting. They're also perverted persons. What is perverted persons? Well, if you have a foot. You might trace your footnote there for a moment that it has reference to those who practice sodomy and prostitution and religious rituals. Yes, there was sexuality involved in the perversion with idolatry quite often, but this also involves sodomy. These perverted persons are homosexuals that are involved. So they're tolerating that which is immoral. They're tolerating that which is foreign to God. They're tolerating idolatry. And so what's the king doing? He's tolerating sin, doing nothing about that. So show me someone who is tolerant towards sin, and I'll show you somebody whose heart is not prepared to seek the Lord. So wherein did he fail? Well, he failed in a number of ways. He failed because he rejected the wise counsel. He listened to the wrong crowd. He dug his heels in. He forsook the law. There was inferior substitutes, and he tolerated sin. You see, he never was right in his religion. Rehoboam never was right in his religion. Now, that doesn't mean that he completely cast off God because chapter 12 talks about him humbling himself and God acknowledged that and accepted the fact he'd humbled himself. What does all of that include? I don't know. But he didn't cast God off altogether and have nothing to do with God so that he's an unbeliever in God. He still has some knowledge of God. He has some belief in God. He hadn't cast God off altogether. But he did evil because he didn't prepare his heart to seek the Lord. There are two things I want you to see. He didn't pray for wisdom like Solomon did. You don't have a record of Rehoboam approaching God and asking, give me the wisdom that I need to lead these people. You don't have a record of him doing that. The second thing you don't see, you don't find him seeking God's will. You find him forsaking the law, digging his heels in, listening to the wrong crowd, but you don't find an example of him seeking the will of God. I want to know what God wants me to do here so that I can do the will of God. His heart was not prepared to seek the Lord. Well, here's the final thing we want to notice. We see it's a prelude to seeking. We see the failure of Rehoboam. He's the one, the text says, he, he sinned because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Let's talk about the how of preparation now. How do I go about, what do I do to prepare my heart to seek the Lord? 
Well, let's start with this. Let's go back to 2 Chronicles. I said we'd be in the Old Testament, so let's go over to 2 Chronicles, if you will. 25, and in verse 2. 2 Chronicles, 25, and in verse 2. Here we have the case of Amaziah. And I want you to see, concerning Amaziah, that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not loyal heart. Not with his whole heart, one translation will say. Not wholeheartedly. In other words, here's somebody who is going in the right direction, but not really from the heart. Or maybe they're doing some right things, but they're not wholehearted. A divided allegiance, somehow. So here's what I'm learning from that. I learned that if I'm going to prepare my heart to seek the Lord, I need to prepare my heart with my whole heart. In other words, I need to have a wholehearted allegiance. I'm not going to decide to follow the Lord here, but I'm not going to follow him there. Or I'm going to follow him in my actions, but not in my heart. Or follow him in my heart, but not in my actions. There has to be wholehearted. Give everything I have to the service of the Lord. Go back to chapter 16 now. 2 Chronicles 16, if you will. And in verse 12. We must turn to the Lord first. Here's a case of Asa. He was one of those kings that was kind of a good and bad king in, in the south. Reigned for 41 years. Some good things about him. There were some bad things about him. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. The malady was very severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. Now that's interesting. Here's a king among God's people. There's some good things about him. Some notable things about him. And yet when he's diseased, rather than turning and seeking to the Lord... He turns to the physicians. He goes to the wrong source. And we saw that with the case of Rehoboam, that he didn't turn to the Lord first. He rejected wise counsel and turned to the world for his wisdom. Listen to the wrong crowd. So if I want to have a prepared heart, I need to do it with my whole heart, and I need to turn to the Lord first in all things before I seek any counsel of man, before I seek my own wisdom, I need to seek, first of all, what the Lord said. But here's something else. Go to 2 Chronicles, chapter 19. 2 Chronicles, chapter 19. If you haven't picked up on this, what we're doing basically is going through similar phrases found in Chronicles primarily, though in other texts as well, where he talks about seeking the Lord or preparing the heart to seek the Lord. To see if we can see anything that tells me how to prepare my heart to seek the Lord. And we're learning already, I do it with a whole heart and I turn to the Lord first. But there needs to be a delight in the law of the Lord. Now, I want to look at two passages that you may think don't have a direct connection. And then we're going to come and tie that in with the third. But starting in the 19th division, 2 Chronicles 19 and in verse 3. 2 Chronicles 19 and in verse 3. Talking about Jehoshaphat, that nevertheless good things are found in you in that you have removed the wooden images from the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. Mary prepared his heart to seek God. Let's go to chapter 20 now and in verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Again, here is his preparing his heart to seek the Lord. And so what is he doing? He's preparing his heart to seek the Lord. Well, let's back up to chapter 17 and in verse 6 which may give us a key and an insight to those two other references. Look at chapter 17 in verse 6. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high place in the wooden images from Judah. 
Now here are two passages that said he prepared his heart to seek the Lord, but this third one, which actually come before, says that his delight was in the law of the Lord. And so how do I prepare my heart to seek the Lord? Well, one is be delighted in the law of the Lord. Come to love the law of the Lord like Psalm 119 describes. Have a love and an affection for what is the revelation of God. Here's a third, a fourth thing. Be determined to please the Lord. Go to the 27th division of the book of Chronicles. And in verse 6, 27 and in verse 6, Jotham was mighty because he prepared his way or his ways before the Lord. Jotham prepared his ways before the Lord. The English standard said he ordered his way before the Lord. In other words, he guided his way before the Lord. The NET says he was determined to please the Lord. So here was a man who was decided, described as being a mighty man because he structured his way and was determined, I'm going to try to do what's pleasing to the Lord. That's what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and in verse 9, that it was his aim, whether present or absent, to be pleasing and acceptable unto him. Well, let's go to 2 Chronicles 30 now and in verse 19. One of the things that we do that we might prepare our heart to seek the Lord is to correct wrongdoing. Look at chapter 30 now, 2 Chronicles 30, and in verse 19, and then we're going to go to the book of Job. 2 Chronicles 30, and in verse 19. Verse 19, let's back up a little bit to verse, um, verse um, 18. A multitude of the people, many from Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar Zebulun had not cleansed themselves, yet they ate the Passover contrary to what was written. They'd done something wrong. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the Lord God, or may the good Lord, provide atonement for everyone who prepares his heart to seek God. What's he talking about? Well, they've done something wrong. What he's saying is, May God bless everyone who makes correction for the wrong. But he doesn't use that terminology. He said that he prepares his heart before the Lord. So here the idea of preparing your heart before the Lord has to do with correcting the wrong that is done. Well, let's see something similar, if you will, in the book of Job. So let's go over the book of Job. This is not Job. You remember in the cycle of speeches, there were um, various friends who made their speech. And in chapter 11, there was Zophar. He was the hard hitter who hit between the eyes with his, <laughs> his speeches. And notice in verse 13 and 14, now I recognize Job has not done wrong. And Zophar is trying to get him to repent of wrong he hadn't done. But the principle of Zophar, who was a righteous man, by the way, all these were righteous men. Job and Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, all righteous men. They were wrong about their conclusion about Job, but they're right about their doctrine. And that is about repentance and what repentance means. And here's what he says what repentance will do. If you'll prepare your heart and stretch out your hand toward him, if iniquity is in your hand, and you will put it far away and... Uh, and will let wickedness dwell in your tents. You notice the connection? Look at the beginning of verse 13. If you will prepare your heart, what you need to do, Job, is prepare your heart. Well, what do you mean so far to prepare my heart? What I'm telling you to do is take that iniquity in your heart and get it out of your heart. Make correction for your wrong. That's what it means to prepare your heart. So is your heart prepared to seek the Lord? Not if there's iniquity in your life. You've got to get it out of your heart before you're ready to seek the Lord. Let's notice one more passage on that point. Let's go to the book of 1 Samuel, if you will. First Samuel chapter 7, 
and in verse 3. Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you will return to the Lord with all of your hearts, and put away the foreign gods and asterisks that are among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord, and serve Him only. Do you see the connection? What you need to do is put out the idolatry out of your life, get rid of the sin in your life, and prepare your hearts to seek the Lord. There is a connection between preparing your heart and correcting the wrong that's in your life. Now, one more thing, and we're done. Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. From that I'm going to learn that we need to learn what the Lord wants of us and wants us to do. Ezra chapter 7, very similar language. Perhaps many of you were thinking about Ezra 7 and in verse 10 because it uses very similar language. That Ezra prepared his heart to do three things. To seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. So here was Ezra who had this attitude, I want to know what the law of the Lord says, I want to learn it. And not only do I want to learn it, but I want to do it. And not only do I want to learn it and do it, I want to teach it to other people. And that was described as a prepared heart in Ezra chapter 7 and in verse 10. So how do I prepare my heart to seek the Lord? I do it with a whole heart. I turn to the Lord first. I have a delight in the law of the Lord. I'm determined to please the Lord. I correct the wrong and I want to learn what the Lord wants. And therein I'm preparing my heart to seek the Lord. Well, 2 Chronicles 12 and 14 says concerning Rehoboam that he prepared his heart to seek the Lord. That's a prelude to seeking. We saw the failure of Rehoboam, what he did that suggested his heart wasn't ready to seek the Lord. And we've talked about what I need to do to prepare my heart that I might seek the Lord. Is your heart prepared to seek the Lord even this very evening? Would you come believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Would you repent of your sins, acknowledge your faith, be buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins? If you're subject in any way, would you come while together we stand and while we sing?